I'm delighted to be joined this morning by Zoe England, a UConn senior who's been named a winner of a Gilman McCain scholarship, the first in university history. Zoe, good morning. Thanks for joining me today. And what exactly is the Gilman McCain scholarship? Good morning, and thank you for having me. Um, so the Gilman McCain scholarship is a study abroad award specifically for active, active duty military dependents. Um, and you know, it's really to help facilitate those connections and get people like myself abroad um, to, to further their experience and cultural immersion in a different setting. So where abroad are you going? So I will be conducting research in Mauritius, which is a small island in the Indian Ocean, sort of by Madagascar. And why did you pick Mauritius? So Mauritius is really sort of an interesting setting because they're very intentional about keeping tourists out. And as academic researchers, we're able to go there and have a, um, a, a, a relatively unbiased data set that we can pull from longitudinally without having to worry about tourists coming in and them changing or altering their way of life to conform to the tourism industry. So when exactly do you go there? How long is your trip there going to take? I will be there next month for three weeks. Tell us what the EGL is and how that influences what you'll be doing. Mm -hmm. So EGL is a department at UConn Experiential Global Learning, and their main job on campus is to help students get abroad and to be successful while they're over there. And you know, throughout COVID, my original program was postponed, and then my second one was postponed as well because of travel restrictions. And so they've been really fantastic the entire time, helping me navigate the ever-changing landscape of travel during a pandemic. Now, this fall, you'll begin a full-time employment at UConn's Worth Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation, which will be based at UConn Stanford. So how does that tie in to what you'll be doing in Mauritius? I am very much a generalist. Um, academically, my background's in public health, but along the way, I really fell in love with entrepreneurship and journalism as mechanisms for social change and, you know, bringing different topics to light that may not ever be uh, seen or, or heard effectively. And so, you know, it, it really just sort of wrapped into it wonderfully. My research is in social ties and how interactions um, within different groups will form their opinions and ways of experience. And so yeah, a lot of entrepreneurship is that as well. Zoe, you're well-traveled. You're a Navy girl. As you went to high school in Virginia, as I read it, and nowadays you're living in Groton. Kind of give us your background and how well-traveled you are. <laughs> um, yeah, so growing up, you know, my dad in, was given orders every two to three years, so we would follow along with him. Um, before coming to Connecticut for school and staying in Virginia for high school, we were moving um, about every two years. So I lived in, I think it was eight or nine different places um, before settling somewhere for high school. And, you know, just seeing that many people at such an early age and interacting with so many different cultures really shaped who I am. And a lot of people ask, well, why would you do that? Or, you know, would you trade it? And I definitely would not. It was difficult, but it certainly made me who I am today. And, um, you know, more aware and able to interact with people in ways where I sort of know where they're coming from and, you know, acknowledging their cultural differences. 
Matter of fact, you had lived in six states before you turned 15. As you look in the rearview mirror, did one of those states stand out? Was there one state that you really liked? You know, I liked all of them for different reasons. <laughs> of course, this, the food in the South was always amazing. Um, I, I really liked Springfield, Missouri. That one was fun. Um, but Oregon was great, too. You've got an amazing academic background. In fact, you have the unique distinction of actually earning a college associate's degree from Tidewater Community College weeks before you graduated from high school in Chesapeake, Virginia. Did you get that academic direction maybe from your parents? Uh, you know, people always ask that, <laughs> and they're always quick to say, no, she did it herself. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't be able to do it without their support. But it wasn't like they were pushing me to, to go and, and go at it hard. And you touched on how you like journalism. You've got a journalism background. In fact, you wrote a number of stories for the UConn student newspaper, The Daily Campus. Maybe readers of the campus have seen your work. What are some of the things that you enjoyed writing about for the campus? So two of my biggest passions when it comes to journalism is mental health and then also climate change. And so most of the op-eds that I was writing for the campus were centered around mental health and sort of how we can come together and emerge out of COVID stronger than we were before. Um, I also wrote for a, an organization called Planet Forward, which is centered around climate change journalism. And so, you know, a lot of those stories are sort of like the doom and gloom. They're good at making them a little bit more informative than other media outlets, but um, quickly in that space, I realized that especially young people struggle immensely having to deal with climate change on a day-to-day -day basis. And so some of my reporting has been about how youth climate change activists are coping and, you know, coming together and how, how they're looking forward and hopefully going to continue working um, in this space. And does going to an island nation like Mauritius actually give you a bit more hands-on experience about the effects of climate change? Because obviously an island might be affected by rising ocean waters more than some place that's inland USA. Yeah, 100%. You know, I think growing up in a military family, especially a Navy family, we were always by the water. And so, you know, I had grown up seeing the Chesapeake Bay and working hands-on in a rene renewal project. And then coming up here, I realized that not everyone was planting seeds, <laughs> you know, to grow tidal grasses or, um, you know, laying down oyster beds. And then, you know, seeing all of the hurricanes impact that. And so going to an island nation was a huge component that I wanted to do um, just to see how things are going outside of the U.S. and how they may be developing strategies to also cope with climate change, whether it's intentional or out of necessity. Do you think your internship in Mauritius will actually help you help them make policy changes that might delay or maybe even curtail climate change's effect on Mauritius? I think so, but I also think that taking that knowledge back to the U.S., and, you know, being able to point to other nations who might be knocking it out of the park and doing fantastic um, and saying, well, you know, this, this works for them. Why can't we do it over here? We'll be large as well. Who picked Mauritius? Was that your choice or do people from the Gilman McCain Scholarship make that choice? 
No, it was 100% my choice. Um, <laughs> and then when I told them, they were like, you want to go where? <laughs> that, that's sort of the general response. Um, but I'm, I'm super excited to be able to go somewhere where not a lot of people have been and sort of just explore that uh, dependent of other people's, um, you know, perceptions or when somebody hears you're going somewhere and they're super excited about it, the first thing they want to do is tell you a story about that. And there's just not many people that have been to Mauritius. So I'm, I'm really excited to go and explore in my own right. Have you talked to people, any friends of yours been to Mauritius? Nope. <laughs> well, I'll admit that, you know, I know Africa a bit because I've been there, but I heard the name Mauritius and I had to get out the computer phone actually and take a look. And I saw that it's in the Indian Ocean to the east of Africa. Can you give us an, another sense about what their lifestyle is like over there? I'm, I'm guessing it's a little different what you're accustomed to around here. A little bit than Connecticut, for sure. Um, so a lot of their food is inspired by like Indian cuisine. So it has a lot of curry. Um, their native language, most of them actually speak English, which works out well for us. Um, but then they're also a heavily like Buddhist and Muslim country. Um, and so it's, it's just sort of because it's a trade island, there were a lot of people coming in and out. Um, it was a Dutch colony and then it transferred to France. And so, um, you know, a lot of movement brought a lot of interesting cultures into the area and Mauritius was a mixing pot for all of them. How do you get there? Have you looked into what the flights are going to be? It's a very long flight. <laughs> but do you go through London? You go through Lagos, Nigeria? I'm thinking of a lot of different options how you get there. And how many stops will it take? I'm guessing there's no non-stops from Connecticut to Mauritius. No. So I go um, from Boston to Paris where I have a layover and then Paris directly to Mauritius. Sounds like lots of fun and interesting trip and interesting studies as well. I don't have too many memories of having people on my show who have performed at Carnegie Hall. Zoe, you still playing the cello? I am, yep. Tell that story about how it goes back to you're in high school, you're in the orchestra, and what was it that inspired you to want to learn the cello? Yeah, so I always loved music. Um, I don't know if I chose the cello out of spite for my mom who had to figure out how to put it in her car or what what the deal was there but I had been playing it for we started officially in fifth grade and then I just kept playing it all through middle school and high school and I had some fantastic orchestra teachers that inspired me to keep playing and you know it, it it's one of those things where you don't really realize how much of an impact it has on you until you know you move to an orchestra and COVID happens your senior year and you have to, you know, immediately all group gatherings, let alone a 100-person orchestra, have to be canceled. Um, but one of the fantastic places that we were able to play pre-COVID was Carnegie Hall. And so we got all 115 of the students there, and, um, you know, we, we had a great time. And it was amazing looking out off of the stage after seeing uh, performances there, you know, yourself growing up. Um, it, it was just a huge memory of my high school years. What is that experience like compared to other performances that the high school orchestra in Virginia had performed? When you're playing the cello and you're on stage at Carnegie Hall, are you thinking about where you are and how significant this is? 
you know, at that point, I was just so focused on trying to play the right notes and <laughs> not get too awestruck um, to, to mess up the entire performance. Um, but definitely afterwards, it was like, oh, we we just did a thing, and that's a pretty cool thing. Um, and, you know, just being able to have the memories and the photos and even, like, the program with, you know, your name on it and says Carnegie Hall on the front, that's Quite the resume builder. I'm not sure how much cello you'll be playing in Mauritius, though. Are you a big fan of Yo-Yo Ma? Of course, yeah. Noted, legendary player of the aforementioned cello. So you had mentioned the effect of COVID on your academic career. So here you are heading off to Mauritius for this internship abroad. But it almost was Costa Rica. Tell me how that was going to play out, and then what happened? Yeah, I mean, just like everything with COVID, <laughs> I was supposed to travel to Costa Rica to do a public health-centered um, study abroad in the winter term. And then last minute, they canceled it because of heightened cases in the area. And so I thought that I wouldn't be able to use the Gilman-McCain scholarship because I was supposed to graduate in May and then um, go straight full-time in, into employment. And um, you know, it, it just so worked out that I was, there was a program that ran in the time that I needed to be able to finish my academic research. And then, you know, I, I had a really small window of when I would actually be able to study abroad um, over the summer. And so Mauritius fit great. It was a program that I was super interested in to begin with. I actually just didn't have, um, I, I didn't think I would be able to do it in the first place uh, because it was a summer program. And then um, I was also able to postpone my graduation until August instead of May to do the program. I had to maintain matriculation as an undergraduate student. So just sort of all of these pieces came together. And, you know, I, I am super excited, more so than I was to travel to Costa Rica, to be going to Mauritius. You also developed PHYMAP. That's P-H-Y-M-A-P. What is that? So FIMAP is a tool that I've been working on. It's a technologically independent um, epidemiological mapping um, hands-on device using a biological avatar. So for my thesis, you know, I, I quickly realized that global health equity is a huge problem. And, you know, certainly one undergrad from the University of Connecticut is never going to fix it on a global scale. But if I could move the needle just a little bit, um, you know, then it'll help some people. So in the ranking of global health pathogens, there's some that are more prominent than others. And so the smaller ones like influenza and um, often get ignored within communities that don't have the access to health mapping like we do in the U.S. and other Western nations. Did you eventually get a chance to play bubble soccer at UConn? I did not. I was out of town that week. <laughs> but you're looking forward to one-ton Sundays. How much ice cream is in a one-ton Sunday? Um, a lot, and I would highly recommend it. <laughs> well, Zoe, congratulations on being named a winner of the Gilman McCain Scholarship, the first in university history, and best wishes for a successful trip to Mauritius for your internship abroad. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. You are welcome. Zoe England, one of just 100 students to earn the scholarship this year, an individualized major at UConn in population health, disease, and policy, and finishing her undergraduate degree this summer. She's also working a master's degree in public health, and 
She also plays the cello. 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.